0: You're listening to Hebrews Jesus is Better series preached by Pastor Rick Dressler at Maple City Baptist Church in Chatham, Ontario. For more information about Maple City, please visit us online at maplecitybaptistchurch.com. So if you have your Bibles this morning, if you would, take, take them and turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And in a moment, we will be at verse number 24. Thank you for bearing with us. I know that there's some things that we have to do as far as making adjustments, and by God's grace, we'll do that. And again, thank you for being supportive and being here this morning. Of course, there's lots of room here, and uh, this will be our services for the next three weeks, and we would encourage you to continue to come. I think it speaks volumes to our community and our neighbors on how important this is to us. And I would actually invite people to come as well. I think it's a great idea. So thank you for being here. Let's begin uh, this morning. Back in July and August of 2019, there were a number of, at that time, big-named Christian celebrities who had deconstructed their faith. They completely walked away from Christianity. And, of course, there were shock waves that went out. There were lots of blogs and Letters that were written in articles. And as I was watching it unfold, I read an article by a man named John Cooper who said this, We must stop making worship leaders and cool people and relevant people the influencers of our church. We must go back to the Word of God. And his article was entitled, What in God's Name is Happening to Christianity? It was a fantastic article, so much so That I wanted to see who this was and get a little bit of information about him. And so I looked up John Cooper, and he was and is the lead singer for the group Skillet. Now, Skillet is not in my wheelhouse. That's not my genre. But I watched an interview, and in 1996, they had their first album. In 2010, their first big radio hit He was 35 years old. They began touring with secular groups. And after one uh, performance, the the promoter and his agent pulled him aside and said this, John, you could be the next biggest band in the world. And he was shocked by that. And then they said, you've got this spiritual thing going on. You've got a woman in your group, which at that time was on cutting edge of bands, And uh, this could be your moment. Do you understand? And he he said, yeah, I think so. And they said, you need to strike. And then he looked at them and said, we want to be real clear. You need to stop talking about Jesus. You could do the social thing. You could be rich and famous. You could have influence in other ways. You could be the biggest if you would just stop talking About Jesus and John left there of course unsettled by what he heard and tossed and turned and the next morning he decided to keep on talking about Jesus the reason I open with that story is because in our text in Hebrews chapter 11 we see on a greater scale the same opportunity given to Moses The same choice to be made. And look what our text says. By faith, Moses, when he was come to age. Notice, he was not a child when he makes this decision. It's important because in our youth often we make childish decisions. When I was 17 years old, I thought it would be a great idea to give my life away for two years to the U.S. military. And do you know why part of the reason that I did that? Because I saw a really cool video with explosives and weapons. And I thought that was a really good idea at the time. There's a reason they say that youth is wasted on the young. And young people, let me just stop for a moment. Some of you are making decisions that have lifelong consequences. That have repercussions that you can't even understand. Don't just live for the moment. Look to the future. As believers, look to God and godly wisdom. But, but Moses was a man. He was full grown. This is not a childish decision. And here's what he decides. When he comes to age, to refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming or considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt Because he had respect for the reward He forsook Egypt not fearing the wrath of the king and he endured as seeing him who was or is invisible I Want you to see that Moses makes a decision he makes a choice and here's the choice He is willing to suffer than to live a life of ease, pleasure, wealth, and power. And again, listen to the choice. For Moses, it made good sense to suffer with God's people than to live out the rest of his life in the pleasures of Egypt. He goes on to say, he considered or esteemed the reproach of Christ greater wealth than all of the treasures of Egypt. Now, you might be saying, how can that be? Moses was 1,500 years before Christ. But the fact is, when you think of the story of the Bible, it is one story of redemption. And those who suffer with Israel, God's people, are in turn suffering with the true Israel, Jesus Christ. And what Moses says is that the reproach of Christ the disdain of Christ. Think about that. When we talk of Jesus, we know that here is our Savior who died a public execution, naked and ashamed, beaten, spit upon, mocked, scourged, and pierced. And yet Moses says, the reproach of Christ And being hooked and yoked up to him is far better than all of the wealth of Egypt. This is the decision that he makes. Now, I want us to consider this morning the process of making such a decision. This is not made off the cuff. There are things that must be considered. And certainly Moses considered and weighed out some of these things, and we too must as well. He considered relationships. All of us have people in our lives like Moses, who we love and care for, family, friends, co-workers, neighbors. And for Moses, he considered his relationships. Humanly speaking, he was alive because Pharaoh's daughter pulled him out of the Nile, adopted him as his own, loved him, gave him everything imaginable. She was his foster mom, and certainly indebted, and yet he weighs out this relationship in light of this decision. Not only was there his relationship to consider, there was his wealth. This is the 19th dynasty of Egypt. It was known for immeasurable wealth, power, and pleasure. And it's real. This is a real choice. It's not like, um, was it Uncle Rico from Napoleon who said, in 1982 I can throw a football a quarter of a mile and I could have played in the NFL. And we know people like that. Like, I could have played in the NFL, the NHL. It's like, well, you're two and 125 pounds. Probably not. Right? But this for Moses was within his grasp. The wealth of Egypt, the pleasure of Egypt, the ease of Egypt, must be weighed out and then his reputation it says that he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh Moses realized he was not an Egyptian I find this intriguing the Hebrew children had been in Egypt now for 400 years and yet they were not amalgamated as Egyptians they were still the children of Abraham children of the covenant. They knew their story. They knew they were covenant people. And they were still Hebrews, clearly Hebrews. And may I suggest to us as believers this morning, we must know our story as well. And he makes a decision. I will not be identified as an Egyptian, but making this decision, changing his status from a prince in Egypt to a Hebrew is one of Going from pleasure to ease, to slavery, to suffering. From the highest to the lowest. From the pinnacle to the pit. And if we were sitting with Moses as he's weighing out his relationships. As he's weighing out his wealth. As he's weighing out his reputation. We might say, Moses, wait. You could be. You could have. Your life could be full of pleasure. And everything that you ever dreamed of, you could have. The time to strike Moses is now. But Moses does not do that. By faith, he considers the reproaches of Christ. Being yoked with Christ. Being known as a follower of Christ. Being known as one who looks to Jesus as greater treasure than anything that Egypt could ever offer him. For Moses, the God of the Hebrews, the great I am, the one who is and who always will be, the one who is with him and would never leave, the I am that I am, which means that God will be who God is, always. The God of love, pure love. The God of justice, pure justice. The God of mercy, pure mercy. This is the God of the Hebrews. And Moses knew and believed that was his God. And the Hebrew faith was his faith. And and this morning, I would challenge you to consider the same. You might say, Pastor Rick, we're not looking at the 19th dynasty of Egypt. But let me say to you, in everyday life as believers, we have decisions to make about being yoked with Christ, being identified with Him, this this Savior who came and suffered and died and bled. Every day we make these decisions, and many of you have made them already. When it comes to your relationships with family members, or spouses who don't understand, who mock and make fun of. With your wealth, with making decisions that you know are dishonest, and yet for Christ's sake, you made a different decision. And with your reputation, that as people know we are believers of Christ, they say and do things to cause us to blush, we do make these decisions about the reproach of Christ. And so this morning, what I'd like to do is to go through Moses' process because it says, by faith he chose these things. And I would have you consider this morning our own faith. Number one, understand that faith sees the reality. Moses saw the reality of the situation. And let me remind you of the reality of faith. That in the world we live in, both pain and pleasure have a shelf life. Neither last forever. Believer in Jesus Christ this morning, understand that all pleasure, all honor, all riches, all acceptance, ultimately, it will come to an end. All of it. Especially in our woke and canceled culture. You can be famous one day, and if you have a past, if you have a post, if you have a tweet, you will be canceled. And if you don't believe me, ask Aunt Jemima, or Mr. Potato Head, or Dr. Seuss, or any celebrity who had a past, There is no forgiveness in that culture. They become scapegoats who are driven out before society. It's gone in a moment. All pleasure, all of it, it has a shelf life. And may I remind you this morning that all pain, all suffering, all marginalization, all injustice has a shelf life as well. And faith sees the reality of this world. It is all passing away. All of it. The text that Andrew read this morning, it's almost as if Paul is in perfect sync with what's happening in Moses' life. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he says this, For which cause we faint not, believers, we do not lose hearts, But though our outward man, or self, is perishing, or wasting away, Paul completely understands that that this flesh, this self, what we see, this outward self, is wasting away. That idea of wasting away means progressive decay. And we see it, we feel it, and we know it. We know it. And we don't lose hearts. This is the truth. Um, I think the songwriter who wrote Abide Me said it well. When he says in verse number two of his great song, Swift to its close ebbs out life's little day. Earth's joys grow dim, its glories pass away. Change and decay in all around I see. O thou that changes not, abide in me. And my friend, this morning, as a believer, we see the reality of our faith. We see what's really happening. We are wasting away. And at 18 or 20, you might not feel it, but at 52, walking walking up a scaffold, you do. We are wasting away. And yet, this is the beauty of our faith. Paul says, Yet, The inward self is being renewed day by day. Believer, in the midst of our world, as we see in our own lives, this wasting away at the same time as that is happening within the new self is being renewed. And that word renewed is amazing. It means to change to a a previous preferable state. Believers, you understand the reality that everything is wasting away. And even as we are wasting away, the God of heaven is renewing the inner self daily. And that's why the pressures and the struggles and the trouble and the lockdowns and all of it, it's okay. Because God is at work even as we are frail and wasting away. He is building and renewing within us that which was previous. He's restoring it. That he is at work. That he is recreating in us our original purpose to be like Jesus Christ. Michelangelo, the great artist and sculptor, said this, the more the marble waste, get the picture, the more the marble waste, as he, as he chisels away at it, the more the statue grows. And brother and sister in Christ, our faith sees the reality of this life. It is wasting away. But in the process, God is doing something with the inner self, with our soul, and he is chipping away so that we are recreated into the image of Jesus Christ. Faith sees the reality of what's happening. Number two, faith sees the reward. In our text, it says that he, that in Hebrews, that Moses had respect for, unto the recompense of the reward. And again, Paul picks up this same truth in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works in us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Moses knew that Egypt was passing, we must know that all is passing, and yet he was looking for something greater. He was looking for something better. And what Paul clues in on is this. He talks about the present burden of life. And Christianity doesn't ignore the present burdens of life. We understand them. But they're all all offset. The present burden is light, It is momentary. It is affliction. But they're offset by words like weight, eternal, and glory. And Paul says there's a far more exceeding reward. Paul does this often. That word exceeding means exceeding unto excess. And Paul says for the believer, like Moses, we're not looking at the here and now. There is a reward for those who follow Christ fully and completely. And the reward is not light. It is not momentary. It is eternal. Brother and sister in Christ, when we came to Christ, this is what he promised. Not to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. Not to have all of your wildest dreams come true. That's a different gospel. What he promised was suffering and persecution and misunderstanding. And you would say, why in the world would you follow that? Because of the reward that is eternal and lasting and uncomprehensible. Jesus Christ promises that those who are faithful and who remain true will be rewarded and it will be eternal. And then, thirdly, he says that faith sees the Redeemer. Back in our text, Moses sees clearly the one who is invisible. He sees Yahweh, the great I Am. And in 2 Corinthians Paul continues, he says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Brother and sister in Christ, listen to me. We must get our eyes off of what we see, because everything we see is passing. It is temporal. It is transient. It will not last. We must turn our eyes on the one who is eternal, Jesus Christ. Turn your eyes upon him. Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified freely forever. And one day, he is coming. He is coming for his own. He is coming for the saint. He is coming, and someday we will see Him face to face. This is our faith. We look to Him. Moses knew that the God of the Hebrews was his God. Moses knew that the faith of the Hebrews was his faith. And so he reasoned that the reproach of Christ was far greater than any treasure of Egypt. And my brother and sister in Christ this morning, now more than ever, We must must weigh our relationships. We must weigh our wealth. We must weigh our reputation. And we must come to the same conclusion. It might seem difficult at face value, but when we really weigh it out, there is no difficult answer. None. It is to follow Christ. And so, let me say in closing this morning just three things in light of the example of Moses and remember, the writer of Hebrews is telling this little church of believers who were weary, worn out discouraged, some were falling aside some were not growing, they had stalled some weren't even believers there, but the ones that were, who were enduring he gives the example of Moses because he wants them to emulate the same faith that chose Christ above all The same is true today. So believer in Christ, let me say this to you. In light of Moses' decision, and in light of the decision we must make, confess Jesus Christ openly. Openly. He is the great I Am. He is the one who came and lived and died. And if there was ever a time in the life of the church that Christ Jesus and the hope of Christ ought to be proclaimed. It is now. We are living in a world that is afraid. It's afraid of death all around us. We're living in a world that's afraid to live. We are living in a world without hope, with fear, with isolation, with anxiety, with real burdens. And my brother and sister this morning, we have the answer. The answer is Jesus Christ. The one who, who spoke this world into existence. The one when mankind thought that they, they would create their own reality and turn their back God did not turn His back. He devised a plan that He would come, that He would live, that He would walk among us, that He would absorb all of the brokenness, all of the sin, all of the evil. He would take it upon Himself. He would live. He would die. He would be buried. But He'd rise the third day, making it possible for men and women to come back into right relationship with the God of Heaven. So believer, this morning... Cling to the reproach of Christ. Loudly proclaim His name. Openly confess Him with your lips. This week, talk to someone about Christ. Share your faith. And with our lives, our ethics, our moral, our behavior, proclaim Christ clearly. Number two, in light of our text, unite with the people of God. Brother and sister in Christ, this idea of individualism, this Western idea of I don't need anyone, it is not biblical. We were created for community. Can I tell you, as weird as this is, standing out here and freezing to death, this is glorious to see people who have gathered together in the name of Christ saying, We are the people of God. And we beat and we beep our horns. This is what we do. This is community. We were made for community. Don't be on the fence, don't live in both worlds. The church is of the utmost importance. Christ died for the church, and the church will be victorious. The church will, will, the gates of hell will not prevail against her, and so. Brother and sister, proclaim Christ openly. Unite with His people. And then finally, be willing to go outside the camp. The writer of Hebrews continues in chapter 13, and here's what he says. Therefore, Jesus also, that He might sanctify the people with His own blood, suffered without the gate... Let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. There is reproach connected to Jesus Christ. We understand that. But the writer of Hebrews reminds us that we too are called to bear that reproach, to go outside of the camp, The place where there is reproach, where we're discredited, where we're misunderstood, where we're despised. Because in this world we have no continuing city. It is passing away, that's the reality. But the reality is there is a reward. And ultimately that reward is Jesus Christ. That he will be our God, we will be his people, and we will enjoy him forever. Let me close with this statement by Charles Simeon. And I think he, he makes it clear that when our eyes by faith see the reality of what's happening, our choices are clear and simple. He says, "Before that faith has found a man to a view of the, before that faith has brought a man to a view of the things which are invisible and eternal, he has no zeal for God, no fortitude to suffer shame for the sake of Christ." But when once the realities of the eternal world are open to his view, when once heaven and all of its glory and hell with all of its terrors are apprehended by him, who shall stop him? Who shall imitate him? Who shall persuade him? Bid him relax his diligence and give way to carnal ease and pleasure. He will say, Go offer your advice to one who is running in a race or fighting for his life. Will he listen to you? Expect not me then to listen, who am running for eternity and fighting for my soul. Is he called to suffer? He knows for whose sake it is that he is called to take up his cross. And so he takes it up with cheerfulness and rejoices that he is counted worthy to bear it. And brother and sister in Christ, may may we this morning see the reality of our faith. This is all passing away. May we understand that there is a reward to be gained, that Christ has promised it. And may we understand that one day we will see our Redeemer face to face in all of His glory. Therefore, when we're making decisions today and tomorrow and in our life, as we weigh out our relationships, as we weigh out our wealth, as we weigh out our own reputation and acceptance, may we know today that the reproach of Jesus Christ is far greater than anything this world can ever offer. And may we embrace it and embrace Him and love him so much that today and tomorrow and next week we choose christ and his reproach we openly proclaim him we gather together and we are willing to go outside of the camp let us let us pray father thank you for this morning i thank you for this body who is here i thank you for those who are watching and oh god i pray we would see the truth of the decision that Moses made, I pray that we see the truth of the decision that we must make. Give us your strength, your power, and glory, and by faith, help us as your people to see the future as present, the unseen as visible, and help us to gladly carry the reproach of Christ for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.